Hello, thank you for joining us today. We are really glad you're here. Here's Jim, your host of, of Time Out with Jim. So let's get started. Hello, this is part three of The Copper Features by Sir Arthur Codan Doyle. Well, yes, of course the pay is good. Too good. That is what makes me uneasy. Why should they give you 120 pounds a year when they could have their pick for 40 pounds? There must be some strong reason behind. I thought that if I told you the circumstances, you would understand afterwards if they wanted your help. I should feel so much stronger if I felt that you were on the back with me. Oh, you may carry that feeling away with you. I assure, I assure you that your little problem promises to be the most interesting, which has come my way for, for some months. There is something distinctly not novel about some of the features, but it should not find yourself in doubt or in danger. Danger? What danger do you foresee? Holmes shook his head gravely. It will cease to be danger. If we could define it, said he, but at any time, day or night, a telegram would bring me down to your help. That is enough, she rose briskly from her chair with the anxiety all swept from her face. I shall go down to Hampshire quite easy in my mind. Now I shall write to Mr. Rush Castle, at once, sacrifice my poor hair tonight and start for Winchester tomorrow. With a few grateful words to home, she made us both, she, ba she bade us both good night and hustled off upon her the way. At least, said I, as we heard her quick, firm steps descending the st stairs. She seems to be a young lady who is very well able to take care of herself, as she would need to be, said Holmes gravely. I am much mistaken if we do not hear from her before many days are passed. It was not very long before my friend's prediction was fulfilled. A fortnight went by, during which I frequently found my thoughts turning in her direction and wondering what strange side alley of human experience this lonely woman I strayed into. The unusual salary, the curious conditions, the light duties, 
all pointed to something abnormal, so whether a pad or a pilot, or whether the man were a philanthropist or a villain, it was quite beyond my powers to, to determine. As to Holmes, I observed that the that he sat frequently for half an hour on end with knitted brows and an abstracted air, but he swept the matter away with the wave of his hand which, when I mentioned it. Data, 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 he cried immediately. I can't make bricks without clay. And yet, he would always wind up muttering that no sister of his should ever have accepted such a situation. The telegram which we evidently received came late one night just as I was thinking of turning in, and Holmes was settling down for one of those all-night chemical researchers which he frequently indulged in. When I would leave him, stooping over a retort and a test tube at night, I would find him in the same position when I came down to breakfast in the morning. He opened the yellow envelope and then, glancing at the message, threw it across at me. Just look up the, the train to Bradshaw, said he. I turned back at his chemical studies. The summons was a brief and urgent one. Please be back at the please be at the Black Swan Hotel at Manchester at midday tomorrow, it said. Do come. I am at my wits end. Hunter. Will you come with me? asked Tom, scratching up. I should wish to. Just look it up there. There is a train at half past nine, said I. Glancing over my Bradshaw, it is due at Winchester at 11.30. That would do very nicely. Then perhaps I had better postpone my analysis of the acetones, as we may need to be on a, at our best in the morning. By 11 o'clock the next day, we were well upon our way to the old English capital. Holmes has been buried in the morning papers all the way down, but after he had passed the Hampshire border, he threw them down and began to admire the scenery. It was an ideal spring day, a light blue sky, slept with Little fleecy white clouds drifted across from west to east. The sun was shining very brightly, and yet there was an exhilarating nip in the air that set an edge to a man's energy. All over the countryside, away from the rolling hills around Aldershot, the little red and gray roofs of the farm farmsteadings peeped out from amid light green of the new foil, foliage. Are they not fresh and beautiful? 
I cried with all the enthusiasm of a man pressed by the fog of Baker Street. But Holmes shook his head gravely. Do you know, Watson, said he, that it is one of my curses of a mind with a turn like mine, and I must look up everything with reference to my own special subject. You look at these scattered houses and you are impressed by their beauty. I look at them and, and the only thought which comes to me is the feeling of their isolation and are in the and of the impurity with which crime may be committed there. Good heavens, I cried. Who would associate crime with these dear old homesteads? They always fill me with certain horror. It is my belief, Watson, founded upon my experience at the lowest of realist alleys in London to not present a more dreadful record of sin that does the smiling and beautiful countryside. You horrify me, but the reason is very obvious. The pressure of public opinion can do in the town what the law cannot accomplish. There is no lane so vile that the scream of a tortured child or the thud of a drunkard's blow does not beget sympathy and indignation among the neighbors. And then the whole machinery of justice is ever so close that a word of compliance can't set it going, that there is but a step between the crime and the block, and crime and the dock. But look at these lonely houses, each of its own fields, filled, filled for the most part with poor, ignorant folk who knows little of the law. Think of the deeds of hellish cruelty. The hidden wickedness may go on year in, year out. At such places, and none the wiser. Have this lady who appears to us for help gone up to live in Rochester? I should never have I should never have had to fear for her. It is the five miles of the country which makes the danger. Still, still, it is clear that she is not personally threatened. No, if she can't come to Rochester to meet us, she can't get away. Quite so. She has her freedom. What can be the matter then? Can you suggest no exp explanation? I have devised sep several separate explanations, each of which will cover the facts as far as we know them. But which of these is correct can only be determined by the fresh information which we shall no doubt find waiting for us. Well, there is this there is this, 
the tower of the cathedral, and we shall soon learn all the Miss Hunter has to tell. The black swan is the end of repute in the high street at no distance from the station, and there we find we there we found the young lady waiting for us. She had engaged a sitting room, and our lunch waited us upon the table. I am delighted that you have come, she said earnestly. It is so very kind of you both. But indeed, I do not know what I should do. Your advice will be altogether in, in, invaluable to me. Pray tell what has happened to you. I will do so, and I must be quick, for I have promised Mr. Rushcastle to be, to be back before three. I got his leave to come into town this morning, so he knew little of what, for what purpose. Let us have everything in its due order. Holmes thrusting his long chin, Holmes thrust his long, thin legs towards the fire, and composed himself to listen. In the first place, I may say that I have met, on the whole, with no actual ill treatment from Mr. and Mrs. Frustcastle. It is only fair to them to say that, but I cannot understand, and I am not easy in the mind about them. What can you not, not understand? The reasons for their conduct, conduct, but you is, but you shall have it all just as it occurred. When I came down, Mr. Rustcastle met me here and drove me in his dog cart to the Copper Beaches. It is, as he said, beautifully situated, but it is, it is not beautiful in itself, for it is a large square block of a house, whitewashed, but all stained and streaked with damp and bad weather. There are grounds around it, woods on the sides, and on the fourth a field which slopes down to the Southampton High Road, which curves past a hundred yards from the front door. This ground is from, this ground in front belongs to the house, but the word, woods are all part of the Lord Shetherton Preserves. A clump of copper beaches immediately in front of the hall door. In front of the hall door was given its name to the place. I was driven over by my employer who was at, as amiable as ever, and was introduced by him that, that evening to his wife and the child. There was no truth, Mr. Holmes, in the conjecture which seemed to us to the probable in your rooms at Baker Street. Mrs. Rushcastle is not mad. I found her to be silent, pale-faced woman, much younger than her husband, not more than thirty, I should think. While he could hardly be less, less than forty-five, 
their conversations, I have gathered that they have been married about seven years, that he was a widower, and that his only child by the first wife was the daughter he has got, who has gone to Philadelphia. Mr. Rochester told me in private that the reason why she left had, had left them that she had an unreasoning aversion to her stepmother. As the daughter could not have been less than 20, I could quite imagine that her position must have been uncomfortable with her father's young wife. Mrs. Rushcastle seemed to me to be a colorless in mind as well in feature. She impressed me neither favorably or nor the reverse. She was a she was a non entity. It was easy to see that she was passionately devoted both to her husband and to her little son. Her light gray eyes wandered continually from one to the other, nothing noting every little want and forestalling it if possible. He was kind to her also in his bluff, boisterous fashion, and on the whole they seemed to be a happy couple, and yet she had some secret sorrow. This woman, she would often be lost in deep thought with the sad, saddest look upon her face. More than once I have surprised her in tears. I had thought sometimes that it was the disposition of her child which weighed upon her, which weighed upon her mind, for I have never met so utterly spoiled and so ill-natured a little creature. He is small for his age, with the head, which is quite disproportionately large. His whole life appears to be spent in alternation between savage fits of passion and gloomy intervals of sulking. Giving pain to any creature weaker than himself seems to be his one idea of amusement. And he shows quite remarkable talent in planning the, in the capture of mice, little birds, and insects. But I would rather not talk about the creature, Mr. Holmes. And indeed, he has little to do with my story. I am glad of all details, remarked my friend, whether they seem to you to be relevant or not. I, sh I shall try not to miss anything of importance. The one unpleasant thing about the house which struck me at once of the appearance and conduct of the servants. They are they are only two, a man and his wife. Tar, for that is his name. It is rough is a rough, uncouth man with grizzled hair and whiskers, and a perpetual smell of drink. Twice as I have been there with them. He has been quite drunk, and yet Mr. Rushcastle seemed to take no notice of it. His wife is a very tall and strong woman with a sour face, 
as solid as Miss Frost Castle and much less amiable. They are the most unpleasant couple, but fortunately I spend most of my time in the nursery and on my own, in my own room, which are next to each other in the corner of the building. For two days after my arrival at the Copper Beaches, my life was very quiet. On the third, Mr. Rushcastle came down just after breakfast and whispered something to her husband. Oh, yes, said, said he, turning to me. We are very much obliged to you, Miss Hunter, for falling in with the rim so far as to cut your hair. I assure you that he has not, it has not detracted in the tiniest iota from your appearance. We shall now see how the electric blue dress will become you. You will find it laid, upon, laid out upon the bed in your room, and if you would be, be so good as to put it on, we should both be extremely obliged. That's the end to part three of the Copper Features. Tune in next time for part four. Let's see how the story goes. Bye-bye now. We truly hope that you enjoyed this podcast today. And if it touched your heart in any way, please share it with your family and friends. Thank you for listening, and until next time, God bless to all.